Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Allison Aletha and a returning Kevin O'Rourke. The gang's back together. How the heck are you guys? Pretty peachy. Doing great. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. Um, Kevin, you were on a, a little bit of a vacation last week. I'm uh, I'm curious to know, what were you up to, and uh, did it involve any pumpkin soup? That's right. Um, we had a little excursion over to a little town called Biddeford, Maine. I uh, went over to Yettos with Miss Ashley. And Yettos. we tried, yeah, Yettos, a Twilight Princess-inspired restaurant located in Biddeford, Maine. Um, we had a great time. Uh, it was an awesome weekend. And Yettos, just to give like a quick sneak peek at, a, at an article that's coming to the Zelda Dungeon website, uh, it was a great time. Uh, food was really good. Atmosphere is awesome. The owners are super cool. Um, Ashley and I had a really, really good time. It was a super cool place. So when you went to Yeddos, did, did you go to the owner and you're just like, you know, I, I'm one of the big wigs at Zelda Dungeon. Can I take some pictures and stuff? Like, was there a lot of Zelda-themed um, stuff in the restaurant? I know that we're going to have an article coming up with some pictures, but I just want to know. Yeah, there was some cool stuff there. So there's, immediately when, when you walk in, uh, there is this giant Zelda mural on the wall, like a framed mural with, like, backlighting and everything uh, that was done by a local artist. And the uh, there there's just like little snippets of Zelda stuff in there. So it's like uh, Mifa and Link are in there. Jaboon is on the side. Uh, the pumpkin house from I almost said from Spirit Tracks uh, from Skyward Sword is there. Yes. Um, and there is there's another mural on the wall too, back by like the bar area. Um, and there's little Koroks that are hidden throughout the restaurant, like painted on the wall. We didn't even notice That's them at awesome. first. The owner had to point them out to us. Um, it's a small staff. There's only four people that run it. Wow. A uh, very tiny staff. Um, they're looking to expand that, so hopefully, uh, hopefully they do because this place is awesome. Tons of Zelda did you, stuff. Uh, did you get to chat with the owner at all a little bit? We did, yeah. Um, Ashley and I spoke with her, uh, with Miss Jackie Yetta, as she goes by on the uh, on the site on the Yetto's site. I was gonna say that there's no way that's too good. Yeah, her last name Jackie, is Yetta. Jackie Yetta. No, it's just a nickname. Her husband Brian uh, is Yetto. Two other staff members, uh, Mickey and Taylor. Um, but yeah, we're gonna have a huge write-up on the site. Tons of awesome pictures. Uh, the place is really cool, uh, and the menu is awesome too. There's tons of like Zelda-inspired food. We split the Beast Ganon. Oh man! And Tell, it was give us a sneak awesome. peek. What is the Beast Ganon? The Beast Ganon is delicious. Um, <laughs> it is a uh, brisket sandwich, piled high, huge portion sizes. Um, we cut it in half, and we just were like, just stabbing at it. Um, and it comes to the side of Yetto's Mac, which is home Ooh. home style mac and cheese. It was really really good. Um, we also had some. Uh, Chicken Ridgies, which was a, a New York State import. Um, awesome. It was a nice pasta dish. So it's, uh, Ita- oh, I'm going to butcher this, but it's Italian. Uh, it's Italian and, and Southern food. Um, they have more of a slogan to it that I'm going to butcher, but it'll be right in the article. It's like Southern comfort and Italian tradition. I, I ruined it, but that's okay. It sounds like they showed you uh, a good time. Yeah, so, we had yeah, that's a great time. That's awesome. I can't wait to see all the pictures and stuff about that uh, or from your trip. That'll be on the site in the, in the next little bit. Um, we've got a very fun show for you guys today. Something that I've kind of been thinking about doing for a long time. And this is going to be like half podcast, half storytelling time. And we're just going to commentate on this story because it is so outrageous and outlandish. But I wanted to do it because I thought it was fun. We are going to be diving into the rumors, the myths, the legends about the fabled third Oracle game, the Oracle of Secrets, a.k.a. Mystical Seed of Courage. 
and we are going to talk about what we know and dive into I don't even know how to say it like uh, a first-hand account allegedly of someone who was working at Nintendo it's kind of the old uh, my uncle works at Nintendo story this is just too outrageous not to actually say out loud so we're going to dive into that but before we get there let's just take a quick second and uh, talk about some Zelda news uh, earlier this week the uh, the sales figures for all of the uh, Nintendo Switch Zelda games were released. And wouldn't you know it, Breath of the Wild is now the best-selling Zelda game by double the closest next Zelda game. Uh, Breath of the Wild topped 18 million, so just staggering uh, the amount of units that this game has sold. And Link's Awakening didn't shake out too bad either. It's uh, sitting at about a cool uh, a cool 4 million-ish. So really, really awesome uh, sales figures showing you know really good numbers for the Zelda series so far. I love that. I love I love seeing the Zelda series get some some good uh, money like that because then they know they're doing something right and they'll just keep giving us more. Absolutely, I was kind of curious to see how much like Cadence of Hyrule sold or was downloaded because mm-hmm. that to me like if that one is selling pretty well, that kind of seems to me that maybe we'll get more spinoffs like that, which I am a big fan of. So uh, I'm gonna. See if anyone out there, if anyone knows how how well that game is done, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Spateri316 and let me know. But yeah, awesome to see um, Zelda finally selling like we think it deserves to sell based on the quality of the games. So I was really happy to see that. That being said, are you guys ready to dive into the rumor and innuendo all surrounding the third Oracle game? That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Let's dust this relic off. Take a deep okay. dive into the internet. So before we get we get going here, there is something that we do need to establish. What is the Oracle of Secrets name? <laughs> we know that there's Din. We know that there's Nehru. But I think we all have a different idea of what the other goddess's name is. Uh, Allison, why don't you go first? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I've always kind of said Fiore. <laughs> Kevin? But that's probably so Faror. See, I, I said Faror. So all of us are different here. <laughs> all of us are wrong. All of, it's, yeah, it's probably none of them. It's Ferrari. Ferrari. <laughs> Which is Italian. So if we're saying the green one or the Oracle of Secrets, or maybe we'll, we'll just, I don't know, if you hear us saying Ferror, Ferrari, Ferroror, Ferrara... <laughs> Just know what we're trying to say here. Let's call her F. <laughs> yeah, F. Was it doesn't isn't that mean like you're dead in Call of Duty? Yeah, press F to pay respects. Oh man. <laughs> Which is F what we're doing respects. to this game. Uh you know what, Kevin? This is a little bit of a sidebar, but just thinking of being dead and paying respects. I was playing some Triforce Heroes last night. Oh nice. Oh no. Oh. So you were dead a lot in that game? Press F to pay your respects to me. Oh, no, I wasn't brother. dead. I just I just felt like I was dead inside. That's how you what know that you you're say, doing well. Andy, what did you say about the scale, the 8 to 10 scale with Triforce Heroes? I, I don't want to give too much away for our Triforce Heroes episode, but I will say that, you know, we at Zelda Dungeon kind of say that Zelda games are ranked on an 8 to 10 scale. So, like, the worst Zelda game is an 8 out of 10 at the least, and you know, the best one's a 10, and everything else is kind of in the middle. Triforce Heroes does not fit on that Zelda scale. Oh, no. It doesn't. 7.8, too much water? There's only too one much, water level. Too much something. Too much, uh... I can't even remember what those little gremlins are called that you have to switch between. The doppels. Doppels? Yes, the doppels. See, that's the problem. You're playing single player. It's so a... great. It's a... Uh, awesome time. Got three non-doppels clumping around, stomping enemies. All right. Well, let's let's save the uh, the Triforce Heroes talk for another day, and let's talk about Oracle of Secrets. And I've always been super fascinated by this canceled Zelda game because I mean, I I don't think that there's another game that was canceled really in the Zelda series that we know of, right? Am I missing anything? Not that I remember. Oh, the Faces I, of Evil 2. 
I can't believe no they way. canceled yeah, that. Yeah, they canceled that one. That's a thing? Yeah, well, some of the dungeons made it into the Wind Waker. I can't tell if you're lying <laughs> or not. <laughs> this Gosh. is a Kevin live I've ever that's heard a big, That's a big Dead Kevin live. silence. Yeah. <laughs> I live for that silence so much. Oh my god, that's Kevin. What we, that's what we do here on the show, long, uncomfortable, pregnant pauses. Yes. Hell yeah. Every time I think I can trust Kevin, he proves me wrong. I'm not very trustworthy. Uh, no, I don't think there has been a, a cancelled Zelda game. I don't think so. And, and it's like... It feels like when I when I think of the Oracle games, it does kind of feel like there's something missing because there is the three, you know, the three Oracles, but only two of them have games. So I I don't know. It's I've always just been really fascinated by by this game and what it could have been and everything like that. So I decided to do a little bit of research and see, you know, what exactly we know for sure, what we can, you know, kind of piece together with all the different clues. Um, so again, and this is going to, this is going to kind of be like story time slash podcast. So stay with me because there's a lot of really interesting research, but let's start off with what we know and some of our more credible sources. So the, the origin of the Oracle games basically began when, uh, Capcom director Yoshiki Okamoto proposed to Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, a remake of the original NES Legend of Zelda for the Game Boy Color. And uh, if the game was successful, it would be followed up with a bunch of other titles. Of course, we know those would go on to be the Oracle games and Minish Cap. So, Akimoto encountered a bunch of problems with the remake, developing it. And so, Miyamoto instead proposed to create the Triforce series, three games on the Game Boy Color. And each title was to refer to a piece of the Triforce. So, Power, Wisdom, and Courage, revolving around a pivotal character or Oracle... Um, and each game was to focus on a different gameplay element of the Legend of Zelda series. Wisdom was to focus on puzzles, uh, power was to focus on action, and we never really quite found out what the Oracle of Secrets game was allegedly supposed to focus on, but Common Wisdom would say it's probably a, a little bit of both. So, I found this really interesting, actually, when I was uh, looking up. So, originally... The, uh, and they were referred to chapters instead of games. So it looks like the chapter of power was always supposed to be the seasons theme, and it had the Rod of Seasons where you could change the weather and stuff like that. But the chapter of wisdom was actually supposed to feature an item called the Magic Paintbrush, and you were supposed to use it to solve color-themed puzzles. Hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm getting some, some color dungeon vibes from Link's Awakening DX. I mean, that does That's sound like cool. it would be pretty cool, especially, you know, the Game Boy Color, that was pretty, that was a big gimmick at the time, like that, I mean, that was its whole thing. Yeah, and the Game Boy I Color I guess I could see how that would be, out. well, yeah, because this is 2001. Yeah, like, so we had the I Game guess Boy I could Advance see why they later. didn't do it, but, because they had already done the Color Dungeon in, uh, in Link's Awakening DX, and the Game Boy Advance was on the way, but yeah, I don't know, I thought that that would be really cool, actually, um, and allegedly... The mechanic of the third chapter of Courage was to have the theme of time. So you would have something that would switch between morning, noon, evening, and night to solve puzzles. Which which sounds kind of cool, actually. Kind of like Oracle of Seasons-ish, but instead of changing seasons, you just change time of day. I wonder how that would have affected gameplay, though. I could see maybe, like, day and night having different things. Maybe there's different enemies, different people out. But uh, morning and evening, I wonder how that would have worked. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like Majora's Mask, where you have different almost, characters yeah. doing different things. Yeah, almost. Um, and allegedly, this is this item that is uh, controlling this is an hourglass. Oh dang! But if you <laughs> like, I wonder if that's what came like continued on to be Phantom Hourglass. Maybe they just scrapped that idea took it for another zelda game uh, you know it's interesting because you wonder if like if they did take elements of this canceled game and move it to other games or if people kind of worked backwards and were like okay well there's an hourglass in this game maybe it was supposed to be in oracle of secrets first mm -hmm. i was like i just think that it's really fascinating um and this is a common theme actually in everything that i've found it's it looks like a bunch of different sources were able to kind of verify that Oracle of Secrets 
was supposed to use a theme of time, so changing the uh, the clocks and whatnot. So kind of a Majora's Mask esque vibe. Three games would be uh, we become known as the Mystical Seed of Courage, Mystical Seed of Power, and Mystical Seed of Wisdom. So, um, Mystical Seed of Power was basically supposed to be um, adapted from the original idea that they started with remaking the original Legend of Zelda NES game, which like now that I'm thinking about it, you do see a lot of like Zelda NES stuff in Oracle of Seasons. I think a lot of us have just recently played Oracle of Seasons for the definitive ranking. Um, you can definitely see the DNA of the original Zelda in there. There's a lot of the similar bosses and stuff like that. Very yeah. interesting, I thought. Yeah, I think especially the bosses, like you fight almost the entire like rogue gallery of uh, of bosses from the original game. So this is another fairly common thread that looks like it's credible information that a lot of the a lot of the particular courage and power games elements were ported over from the uh, NES Zelda remake. So that you know, I'm I'm willing to believe that as well. Um, eventually, of course, we all you know we've all heard the story that they're all supposed to link up. These games are all supposed to link up, and they use a password system. And uh, the coordinating of the three games was just way too hard. So eventually, Mystical Seed of Courage was canceled. So that's kind of the accepted backstory of Mystical Seed of Courage, aka Oracle of Secrets, and why it never you know saw the light of day. So this is. You know, this is stuff that I can believe. But when I was doing my research for this, I came across a story. And if you Google third Oracle game, this is the first thing that comes up. This story is from a guy who allegedly was a translator working for Nintendo of America. And this is his, uh, <laughs> his testimony translating a never-released Zelda game, which he went on to infer was the third Oracle game. Before we get going into this story, you guys have had the chance to read this, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Now, I think that we can agree that all of us think that this story is completely bogus. Bonkers. Yeah, there's no way this guy worked for Nintendo. He's there's probably no way. flipping burgers somewhere. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, know. what if he could have worked for Nintendo, but... But I don't know, maybe he just needed like 15 minutes of fame or whatever and just made up this completely crap story after he, you know, it said that he moved on to better pastures. But I'm like, you're you're a translator for Nintendo and you want a different job? Like, that's an awesome job. It's kind of <laughs> I'm sure I could come silly. up with a quality lie about some <laughs> Oracle secrets. So that being said, the three of us know that this is like, 99.9% BS. We don't believe it's true, but my god, the story is so fascinating and so interesting. If even if even there are some kernels of truth to it that when I was reading it, I was like, "Wow, this is a better plot than most Zelda games." So, <laughs> buckle in everybody cuz here we go. So, the the post starts off like this. The third game was to have a plot with a focus on Faror and have an emphasis on both puzzle solving and combat. So, kind of like we said, a mix of uh, of ages and seasons. Along with this, there is a theme of time with puzzles that could be solved by changing the time of day. So again, consistent with what we've seen from a more reliable source on Zelda Wiki. Due to the limitations of the Game Boy Color and Password Link system, and with the Game Boy Advance to be releasing in the coming months, this elusive third game was canceled. So okay, again, we're pretty we're pretty straight. But this is where it gets interesting. A post was made on the V board of 4chan back in 2008 that detailed information of a possible third Oracle game, which may or may not be true, but interesting nonetheless. The post shared some information and images with the anonymous user collected while working as a translator at Nintendo of America from 1998 to 2005. So here we go. This is his story. We received an early beta build of the third Oracle game in 2002. So this is a sequel, not being developed at the same time, so very important to note that. Which we had to translate and record footage for a possible announcement later in that year. 
Although the game was still in beta, it seemed to be mostly finished, with the overworld, which is sort of a hybrid between areas of the overworld from the two Oracle games, and many of the dungeons finished, although the dungeons were just the dungeons from the Oracle games with new areas and puzzles. The only thing it lacked was cutscenes and dialogue for major events. And the kicker is, is that this is a Game Boy Color game, and not a Game Boy Advance game. So right there, I'm just like, well, this isn't true. <laughs> yeah, the dates don't make sense. Yeah, that's a fair assumption. And I kind of think it's funny how he's saying it's like a hybrid of the areas of the overworld from the other two games, plus the dungeons are basically repeats. To me, that's just like, you couldn't come up with something original to look at, so your pictures are going to look legit because you said they're kind of copies. Right, and he actually, he does have a bunch of screenshots that supposedly he grabbed from them. But again, those are, like, I could probably make those in MS Paint. But right. here's what I thought was interesting. So the dude is a translator, right? Mm-hmm. The only thing it lacked was cutscenes and dialogue for major events. So what are you doing with it? Yeah. He's translating yeah, the Yeah, why uh, the are they menus. giving it to you? So mm-hmm. right here, <laughs> like, right here, this kind of smells like fish already. But the story, it's just too juicy to to discard immediately. So let's keep going. All of the villagers and the non-playable characters in this game would attack Link. Just willy-nilly, they would attack him. So there, so there you go. Bandits everywhere, I guess. I can, I can believe that, I guess. I can see that. Maybe not everybody, though. Oh, man, imagine going to the shop. Uh, you, yeah, you probably have uh, you probably have Buddy from Link's Awakening there, just zapping you with his <laughs> Sith lightning bolts. <laughs> um, okay, he continues. The game's dungeons and items were almost the same as the ones from the Oracle games, but there were a few interesting new items that I can recall. There was an hourglass item that you got as the first item after the sword and shield, which would change the time of day in the overworld. The time of the day would change the colors of the map, and the NPCs and certain things on the map would react differently based on the time of day. Okay. That sounds pretty I cool. Can see, I could see the NPCs maybe attacking if it was, like, nighttime, maybe. They're, like, corrupted by nighttime or something, and that's why they're attacking. They're all I can like... see that. I do think that, um, you know, the concept of this game you know, such as we know it, with you changing the time of day is is pretty cool. It's kind of like a mix of Oracle of Seasons and Majora's Mask, so I'm, I'm on board so far. I can buy it. Here is another really cool thing that... Uh, I'll just read it here. There were also two new outfits for Link, which I believe were light and dark costumes. The light outfit would allow Link to move quicker and light up dark rooms at the cost of not being able to damage enemies with the sword... The dark outfit allowed Link to deal more damage, and swinging the sword would sometimes result in firing a beam without being at full health, but it came at the cost of being slower and taking more damage. Huh. Interesting. And again, a concept that I could feasibly see being real, and one that actually doesn't sound too bad. It kind of gives me that, like, Metroid Prime 2 vibe, where, like, Samus had the light suit and the dark suit to survive in, like, the light and dark worlds and stuff like that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see it being more of a function in um, in dungeons. Like, you have to... You go into certain dungeons and you have to wear the light uh, costume or outfit, you know, to get through certain rooms or pu- through certain puzzles. But at the same time, it's kind of... It's just... It's kind of a weird concept to me. I don't know. I don't know if I'd buy that. I'd be, I'd be into it. Um, it'd be cool to swap between them. I guess it just gives Link another, like, option for, like, an item. I I think, like, the idea in principle sounds pretty cool, but the way that it's laid out, where, like, you do more damage or you're slower, like, that just seems... Uh, I don't like that. Um, I think that there would probably have to be, like, advantages and disadvantages to having the different tunics on, but... I think that you wouldn't want it to impact the way that you are able to attack. It would make sense to me that, like, you'd have different enemies that are more susceptible to light attacks and dark attacks and stuff like that. Maybe Mm -hmm. during the time of day or what tunic you're wearing, um, that would dictate, you know, how how damage is given out rather than strictly based on, like, what suit you're wearing and everything like that. But 
I do like the concept. I think that the concept is kind of cool. It is a little surprising that it wouldn't just be a couple of rings, because Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons are all about rings. So why are you throwing tunics in here, too? Seems like another additional thing, you know? And is it like an item where you could just press a button and switch it, or do you have to go into the menu and select the change? Yeah, I'd guess the menu, because you only have so many buttons. That's a good point. I, I didn't even think of that, actually. Because, I mean, we've seen that in Ocarina of Time before, but... Um, but you know, you're not switching really... between the tunics enough for it to be a hassle to go into the menu. Yeah. Whereas this, it sounds like it's a it's a main function of the game, so... It, like, can you imagine if it was a menu thing you had to do? That'd be kind of troublesome. Let's continue with the story here. Uh, so this anonymous translator is saying that he has so much work to do that uh, what does he decide to do? He decides to take it home. This I don't is think a... that's legal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> then came the point where we had to record gameplay footage and screenshots. With our deadline coming up soon, I took one for the team and decided to do a lot of this at home on my own time. I'm glad I did this because now I have pictures that I secretly kept that I wouldn't have otherwise or that would have otherwise been deleted had I not done the work in the office. Until this point, I hadn't really played the game for longer than a few minutes, so I didn't know much about it aside from what I translated and what my co-workers told me about it. So I was kind of excited to get my hands on it now. Yeah, pretty sure that's not that pretty sure that's not legal. That's definitely not allowed. There's no way. I think it would be on a dev kit too if it was an early beta version. Like they're not printing it on a Game Boy Advance cartridge. I don't know. Well, it wasn't Boy even for cartridge. the Game Boy Advance. It was for the Game Boy Color. Yeah, for the color. Which is just bizarre. But I guess, you know, <laughs> this whole story is bizarre. Um, <laughs> so let's go. Let's continue here. He says, I guess now I should finally talk about some of the strange content from the game I mentioned earlier. After beating seven dungeons, I was able to come across the final one, which was in a waterfall near one of the towns. The dungeon began with a big room and a descending staircase in the middle with an NPC warning of no turning back and typical final level stuff like that. You know, I'm going to pause there for a second. I don't remember any Zelda games where you go into the final dungeon and somebody tells you there's no turning back. There is no Zelda I, game that does that. Yeah, I think there's more of a moment where you're about to fight the final boss and maybe your companion says, hey, why don't you save or get some fairies or whatever because as soon as you go to fight this guy, you, you can't go back. But I don't think it's ever before that final point. I was, I was going to skim over this final dungeon, but it's just fascinating to me. So I'm actually just going to... I'm gonna read this whole thing, oh, and yeah. we're gonna we're gonna comment on it here. This is this is the meat and potatoes here. <laughs> this is no veggies here, no frozen peas. We're good. Dig in. <laughs> this dungeon stood out from the rest as it seemed to be completely unique and wasn't a copy of a previous dungeon, and it also allowed the time of day to be changed, which wasn't allowed in any of the previous dungeons. The dungeon had nine floors, and each of them were very odd for a game like Zelda. So hold on, what's the point? of the hourglass if you can't change the time of day in the in the dungeons well remember the dungeons are basically copies from oracle seasons and ages that's right we have, we have some continuity errors in this i don't in know this 4chan thread who is this 4chan ah <laughs> uh, it gets better the first floor begins with link falling from above this floor wasn't too odd in fact it was just a large white room with a bunch of unmoving npcs and no music, probably unfinished. The second floor Crazy. is about where the challenge started. The floor also didn't have music and was completely dark until the light outfit was equipped or the time was set to day. If I remember correctly, there was sort of a wind effect that would constantly push Link around and really added to the challenge. But most notably was a new enemy, which I can only assume was a redead. These enemies would chase after Link and grab hold of him to deal constant damage until they were shook off. They also didn't really die. They just left behind a corpse that would get up after some time, as they would do in Ocarina of Time. False. Yeah. This, yeah. combined with the constant wind, made this floor very annoying. <laughs> oh, brother. Okay, so here's my question with what he said. Is the gimmick the hourglass, where you change the time of day? Or is the gimmick the the outfits, where you change, you're like changing the day with your light? 
tunic or whatever because like those sound those sound like you should just have one does that make sense uh yeah i mean like it, it kind of goes like hand in hand right like I, I guess that's the only way i can think of like you change the time of day and equipped your suit or something i don't know mm-hmm. uh, that would that would be like playing your ocarina and you know switching to the to the sun song and then having to equip the water tunic or something to to make you more powerful during the day it it, it does seem bizarre <laughs> yeah but we're just getting started here speaking of the water tunic floor three was a boss battle against what i guess was a cerberus it was not a gluark <laughs> So we, uh, there's a nice little screenshot of Cerberus here, and I'm going to link this entire article because it's just too good for you guys not to read long form here. Um, so Link is fighting Cerberus in here, and that's not the only mythical creature he's going to fight. We're going to get to another <laughs> one here in a second. Uh, floor 4, which took about an hour to complete. Uh, the floor had no enemies and nothing but block puzzles. I was never good at these, so I hated this part. Floor 5 was an area full of water, and because of this, the monsters in the water were impossible to kill, as Link had to be swimming constantly. The next floor was accessed by talking to an NPC on a boat. How many NPCs do you remember in dungeons? None. I mean, there are some skeletons in Phantom Hourglass in the Temple of the Ocean King, and you can talk to them and they give you hints. (laughs) (laughs) Can you you can talk to Sahasrila in uh, in the like telepathy tiles? Yeah, shout out like to him. To he gave us some yeah. he gave us some good tips, didn't he? Yeah, he was yeah. He had some good quality hints that didn't we help got, at all. We got the fine owl as well, actually, in Link's Awakening. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. You get those you stone get beaks. Beak. Yeah, that's right. Uh, nobody on boats though. No. no, closest would be the Shadow Temple in um, Ocarina of Time. But you don't that, talk to anybody. That's probably the best boat in a dungeon, I think. That's a quality boat Top in a five dungeon. Boats. Yeah, I, 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 better I than the uh, Tower of Gods. Think of else. Oh Yo. yeah, that's a good boat. K O R L there. Let's keep going here. Let's get to floor six. Floor six was <laughs> was quite different for the others. It had music, but it was just a loop of uh, of short few notes. Sorry, this guy's writing is not very good here, so I'm I'm trying to fix his grammar as I'm reading here. Uh, (laughs) It also began with a long hallway and a bunch of tombstones on the side. Trying to examine these brought up messages like, you can hear screaming beneath the ground, which was kind of eerie, as I don't remember translating it. Oh boy. There you go, this game is obviously haunted. Yes. (laughs) Let's continue. Sure, someone else on the team may have, but even so, it was such an odd line. Things only got stranger from there. At the end of the hall was a door that led to a fight with Medusa. Medusa? That's right. That's not a Zelda character. (laughs) Her and Cerberus, I guess, are just taken right over. Uh, (laughs) Wasn't too hard, but after beating the boss, a message came up that said, All will join us someday. Yes. Yes. So there we go. And and let's keep track here. So we have uh, two bosses so far in this dungeon. Or mini bosses, I guess. Maybe we can. And you know what? Let's uh, let's let's throw some credit out there. Let's give them some rope. This is a beta version of the game, obviously. So we can we can be a little bit more understanding. Sure. Let's continue. <laughs> the screen <laughs> faded out and opened in floor seven, a room with a door to the north. Going through the door led into a room with lots of enemies. I mean, like too many enemies for the Game Boy Color to handle. The game started lagging really bad, and this caused me to die due to the horde of enemies and extreme slowdown. Instead of starting at the beginning of the dungeon like usual, the game spawned me in a different location on the floor. So there we go. Uh, I respawned at full health, but staying in the lava would drain it. Would drain it, so I swam out. I don't know where the lava came from. You swam out of lava? I don't know about you guys, but I can't swim in lava. <laughs> Not with that attitude. <laughs> it's uh, it just gets better from here as we go the rest of the floor consisted of rooms with lots of weird looking versions of enemies uh, puzzles and a few mini bosses like one against Varen from Oracle of Ages in front of the Maku tree so we're on floor 7 we're fighting Varen 
in front of the Maku tree in a dungeon. Yes. I love the screenshot, too. <laughs> this sounds yes. like a horrible joke. Yeah, it's when like, you're listening to this podcast, you, you gotta you gotta read this article at the same time and look at these screenshots. This is, it's amazing. Let's continue. <laughs> we, <laughs> we made it to floor eight. We did it. This floor was another long hallway, but it had some stuff happening to NPCs in the background. It was hard to tell, but I remember one NPC was being whipped by a monster. <laughs> one was upside oh, down no. and on fire. Oh, Jesus. What? And one was just running in circles. Oh, God. <laughs> Poor guy. Other than the odd stuff happening to the NPCs, <laughs> the music here was kind of creepy itself. It wasn't just a few notes like the other song. It was a melody that sounded similar to the Forest Temple song from Ocarina of Time, even though it was just a game. It made me a little creeped out as I was playing it alone. So we're here. Floor 9. This is where the final boss battle takes place. The first boss was against two Dark Nuts that seemed to have more health and did more damage. Killing them seemed to make the boss music slow down, like the notes were more spaced out. The next boss was Ralph, the guy from Oracle of Ages. So let's keep track here. We face Cerberus, Medusa, Varen, and now Ralph. So this is like just a gauntlet of final bosses. Uh, once he was beaten, the music slowed down more, and the notes became a bit off-key. The final battle was with Ganon. Nothing was different about him except for the loud buzzing noise he made every time he took damage, and the music, which was now just a jumble of random pitched notes. Beating him was harder than Ralph, and I had only one heart left by the end of the battle. The screen had faded out and skipped the credits, and it looks like the game is finished. But once the game is finished, I jumped as the final screen faded in. Not only because of the picture, but rather the loud buzz that broke the silence when it faded in. The ending image seemed to be Faror with a strange-looking face on a red background, which seemed reminiscent of the Zelda 2 Game Over screen. The picture was odd, but I didn't think anything of it, because I was scrambling to turn down the volume as the loud buzz persisted. I assumed the game encountered an error once the credits rolled, resulting in the buzz. So he has officially finished the game and got this creepy-looking Mickey Mouse Faror. But that's not all. The story, the story oh, no. is over here. <laughs> There's think more. That's it, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> this is where the story actually like really picks up. Here comes hero mode. <laughs> you know, let's just let's just pause for a second here. Does this final dungeon sound kind of cool or what? It, I mean, it sounds interesting, and I like the the music concept that he was talking about, where it was slowing down until he was like, and then it was just jumbled music. And I'm like, oh, well, that's lame. This sounds so outrageous that, oh like, I just, I just wish that it were true. My favorite, right? favorite details are the monster whipping an NPC, <laughs> and there's a guy upside down on fire. Someone's running in circles. Hell yeah. Like, oh my god. And I'm just picturing, like, what enemy is this, too, that's whipping this guy? Is it, like, a choo-choo with a whip? Or, like, <laughs> is it a Pole's voice? Like, what's happening here? Oh my god. I mean, god. in my mind, it's a Gibdo, and each each arm, he's spinning some of his uh, little <laughs> mummy webs, and he's just like... <laughs> he's just whipping them. And also, the Gibdo's mummy webs are on fire. Oh my god, yeah. And he's poisoning him. <laughs> and he's uh, committing tax fraud all at the same time. Oh my you, god. You say poison, but I mean, that's coming up. <laughs> oh boy, Let's here continue. we go. Let's dive back so in. The, the story is not... It's not done after this guy beats uh, Oracle of Secrets here. Uh, we're we're going to continue. Anyways... That was all that happened during the recording session, but the story doesn't end there. A little after translation and recording had been completed, some higher-ups came in and took the game back, along with all of the screenshots, except for, of course, the ones that he conveniently took at home. After that, nothing much really happened for a while. We didn't hear anything else about the game for a long time, and one day I brought it up around some of my coworkers, who were surprised to learn that I didn't hear what had happened to Oracle of Secrets. According to what he heard from other workers, the game was indeed going to be a third Oracle game, and once again, Capcom was in charge of making it. But, in order to cut back on costs and train employees at the same time, Capcom chose a smaller team of newer workers to create the game using assets from the previous Game Boy Zelda games. 
once the team had started on the game, nobody found anything about development in the game. Not even the higher-ups at Nintendo. They kept the game's direction a secret. That's weird. That's I not normal. I think that's impossible, actually. Yeah. Very impossible. I just don't know that you could develop uh, a game and have like absolutely no input for so long from Nintendo. Exactly. They hold their like their franchises so close to the vest, especially like they're kind of given they're kind of giving it up a little bit now. But that's now. This is he's talking about this twenty years ago. There's no way. For reference, this was the first time I, I want to say this is the first time that uh, that almost anybody had developed a Nintendo IP that was not Nintendo themselves. We had Super Mario RPG made by Square. I'm pretty sure that's it. I could be wrong. Somebody might need to fact check me, but like, Star especially Fox for an important little bit of uh, input. Not, like, I mean, even Rare was was Nintendo, like a second party developer. Yeah. Like this is just straight up like outsourcing. Like, hey, Capcom, make the game. So I find that weird, and I find it weird that the same Capcom team that is probably was probably involved in the first ones in Oracle of Ages and Secret, or Oracle of Ages and Seasons, would they probably ask them to be involved in making a sequel to this and not entrusted to a new studio. But I digress. Let's keep going here. <laughs> the direction was kept a secret. The leader of the team, who uh, we never find out his name, unfortunately, wanted to take the game in a much darker direction, according to what I heard. He wanted to create a world in a similar style to Majora's Mask, but take it even further with death and disease. Oh, the, the worst D's. <laughs> Death and disease. It's a disease-based Zelda go. game. This is where the, the things are really heating up here. He, he continues. The game was also planned to have a story driven by player choice, which was rather bold design choice at the time for a Zelda game. The story was about... The story was to be about Link trying to find a cure to a disease that the Oracle Pharaoh had contracted. In order to do this, he has to find healing fruits in different dungeons to make the cure. The cure is changed by the heart of whoever makes it, or something like that, so if the player makes bad decisions, the cure would cause Pharaoh to become evil and destroy the world. Turns out the light and dark outfits I previously mentioned altered the ending. Killing NPCs with the dark outfit <laughs> made him more likely to get the bad ending, which he points out he got. <laughs> what if you kill NPCs with the light outfit? Do you get the good ending? Maybe you can't kill them with the light outfit. I don't yeah. know. So again, I'm just like, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so you're talking to your coworkers about this game. The the common the thing that you said earlier is the game didn't have any cutscenes, didn't have any text. How do you guys know what this game is about? <laughs> oh, good yep. point. I didn't think about that. I, I love that Joe Schmo Jabroni translator is hanging out with like the Nintendo executives too. Like, oh hey, did you guys hear about this game? I'm the only one who knows about it. This is even more outrageous. I love it. Things get a bit more bizarre after that. It turns out that in order to make the cure, Link has to sacrifice himself in yes. the end to create it. And the final dungeon is based around the player's actions. These dungeons represent heaven and hell. And the dungeon I got was hell. <laughs> that kind of... I mean, what he described yes. did sound like hell. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of bosses God. for a final dungeon. I wonder what the heaven dungeon looked like. Just no bosses. Like, you just roll in. You're done. <laughs> you get extra heart containers. <laughs> so, to nobody's surprise, uh, the bigwigs at Nintendo eventually get wind of this. Uh, come in and shut down the project. Because they really did not like the direction that the game was headed in. <laughs> Shocking. But they didn't know anything the leader... about it. Uh, there you go. I wonder who tipped him <laughs> off. It's probably this guy. Yeah, this guy did. They call call him Deep Throat. Uh... <laughs> Zell disease. The leader of the team was furious. He told the higher-ups that they didn't know anything, that the game was perfect in every way, and insulted them until they took him out of the room. So actually, this keeps on going on. According to this guy the leader of this uh, developmental team, who we never get his name, 
actually sent threatening and violent messages, emails, etc. for years towards Nintendo until eventually the authorities got involved and uh, removed him. And eventually, a couple years later, he would just be seen standing outside the Nintendo Japan Kyoto headquarters and he's just loitering. He, he's kind of like Rorschach from The Watchmen. He's just out there with the picket <laughs> sign or something. Ugh. Crazy, crazy story. That's that's that. I mean, that that is... like I, Obviously, it's not true. Right. And we yeah. get that. But, I mean, just like... You know, hats off, first of all, for kind of the cool narrative. And <laughs> there's enough kernels of truth... That, you know, they're looking at this article. There's a lot of people that are just like, okay, yeah, I I believe you. I just, it's so odd how you start reading this. And you're just like, all right, well, like, you kind of can't tell if he's lying or not. And then you kind of get to the middle where he's talking about that final dungeon. You're like, this is really weird. And then you get to the end where he's talking about the director guy. And you're just like, what direction, what did I just read? Like, is this the same story at all? It's such a bizarre story. I love it. We need this Zelda game. It, it's awesome. And when you Google third Oracle game, like this is the story that pops up. I cannot encourage everybody enough to go and read this thread. I I read it and I was like just fascinated by how how absurd it was, but like how I don't know, like how awesome it would have been if even a bit of this had uh, had came true. Let's let's just go into purely speculative territory here. So after Link's Awakening got its remake treatment, uh, a lot of people, us included, on this very show, have been kind mm-hmm. of saying that okay, the Oracle games must be next. Do you think there is any chance that if we do get kind of a um, a remake or a remaster in the same vein of Link's Awakening of the two Oracle games that maybe, you know, we revisit some of these concepts and we finally get our third Oracle game. Or do you think that ship has sailed? No, I think that they, that this is like a really good opportunity for Nintendo where they can take these two games and be like, okay, we're going to remake these like Link's Awakening. But let's also take this time to flesh out that rumored third game that everybody like knows was there and have that release too at the same time as like a bundle or something because then it could be a remake slash port and a new release Zelda game I want this game <laughs> they gotta make this heaven and hell like, diseases <laughs> yeah yeah just rename it like keep the death part maybe I'm sure somebody to, can like, mod spirits. something oh yeah I want this. Give me the death. Give me the the disease, the famine. The guy upside down on fire. Yeah, uh, him especially. That needs to be the opener. That should be the box art. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this game will whip you into shape. Oh, my God. All right, so when I, when I set out to do an episode on the third Oracle game and talk about Oracle of Secrets... I originally intended, it was my original intention to do some research and try and find some some credible factoids, but man, when I saw this story, I was just like, no, we gotta talk about this. <laughs> this is so good. This is a wild ride. It sure God, is. Wanna... Um, so I'm gonna link the story in the uh, in the description on ZeldaDungeon.net. You you gotta check this out. It's, uh, it's absolutely unreal. I really hope that we do get the third Oracle game at some... Someday, somehow, even if it's kind of like a Link Between Worlds-esque game, I think that would just be, like, so awesome. Um, Anything else that you guys want to just, you know, hopes and dreams for the third Oracle game, Oracle of Secrets? Anything else you guys want to add to this before we get out of here? They should throw an Easter egg to this story. If they do do a serious third game, please have an Easter egg to this story. Yes. I mean, it's got to be the guy on fire upside down getting whipped, right? Yeah, yeah, or the NPC yeah. running in circles. Oh my gosh, um, we need unreal. this. This needs to happen. This needs to be like a fan mod that someone makes. I want more Greek bosses. Give me, like, Perseus <laughs> yeah, the Zelda cool. game. 
Yeah. Riding on a on a Pegasus, slashing enemies. Can you imagine if Medusa. Epona had wings? Oh, that would be great. God. Yeah, there there needs to be a uh, a fan hack of this game out there somewhere. Anybody listening to this, you, you gotta you know, you gotta do this if you if you can. It's your responsibility to make this game a reality because it <laughs> it just seems too unreal. Um. So yeah, that was uh, you know, different kind of show than we usually do. I just thought that it was so fun that I wanted to share it with you guys and uh, just have have some fun kind of talking about all the rumors, myths, and speculation around the third Oracle game, Oracle of Secrets. I do hope that it sees the light of day uh, eventually. So yeah. In the meantime, you can check out our uh, Oracle of Seasons video coming up on the Definitive Ranking series. Uh, coming out pretty soon, almost by the time that you're listening to this. Uh, I think within the same week. Um, that's going to do it for us this week. I had fun diving into the rumor and innuendo about this crazy story about Oracle of Secrets. Uh, KO, good to have you back on the show this week. Thanks. It's always a pleasure being on here. Allison, always a pleasure as well. I'm here for it. That's going to do it for us. We want you guys to head over to Podbean, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe to the Champions Cast. If you got a Zelda fan in your life, tell them about the Champions Cast and all of the uh, the great work that we do <laughs> reporting on baseless rumors and made-up stories. <laughs> um, head on over to Twitter. I am at Spateri316. Al is at Allison Aletha. Kevin is at Shabazzle. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here, and we will see you guys next week when hopefully, finally, mercifully, maybe we'll get a Nintendo Direct. Maybe. Until then, take care.